come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> hey, welcome back, and thanks for listening to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. We're a movie review podcast where a movie is chosen round robin every Saturday night. We watch it, we talk about it for your edification and listening pleasure. Uh, hey, real quick, ask that you do us a favor and head on over to wherever you found us and give us a like, a star rating, or write us a review because all of that stuff helps us get found by other folks like you. Sure does, Colin. That's right. Uh, so who are these internet radio superstars you're going to be hearing from tonight? Holly, Michaela. And I'm Colin. And we also want to announce that uh, this is uh, the... the so we're going to do a viewer's choice spectacular in January where you pick the movies that we're going to watch. We're going to go with the highest four vote getters mm-hmm. of a list of movies that are right now on our Facebook page. And I think we're going to have a link to it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go there and vote for you guys submitted movies or, you know, so it's now go you. and yep. vote for the ones. I think probably the first week is going to be like an elimination round. Probably, right? we got to whittle yeah. it down. Yeah, and then uh, everyone we'll, submitted you guys, three. You guys yeah. are so awesome. We have so many suggestions. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's an embarrassment of riches, so thank you very much. <laughs> I'm excited to see some of these, so we'll have to see what uh, yeah, We what had a lot of fun out. with it last time, and I think this time is going to be really mm-hmm. awesome, too. Yeah, so I mean, that is yeah. what we're doing. Like, we are just going with the top four go- vote-getters mm-hmm. eventually. So, I mean, I assume this first round we're going to have to whittle, and then we'll yeah. probably do another round next week, which will be the final uh, final whittling. Yes. Yep. Uh, so head on over. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. You can get us on Twitter. At Sat Freak Show. And you can follow us on Instagram. I'll post the link there, even though you won't be able to click on it because mm-hmm. it's Instagram, but it's Instagram. Uh, sorry, Saturday Night Freak Show on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so tonight's movie was chosen by... Michaela. What did you make us watch tonight? <laughs> we watched Bad Moon. From the year... 1996. And directed by... Eric Redd. Who we would know from... Near Dark and The Hitcher. He oh. wrote both of those movies, which I it's very evident now after seeing like... No, now that you say that. Like, he's got a yeah. pattern. Like His he stories does. have a very distinct flow, I think. I think yeah. so. Yeah. They have like a, they start real strong. They slow down and really spend time with the characters. Like yeah. he's all about like yeah. seeing characters in everyday situations. Think about all those times in Near Dark where they weren't doing anything. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. You just hang, and then hang out. Yeah, maybe. and then the action comes for a little bit, and then more character time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's his thing. Well, Eric Red's a kind of an interesting cat. He's got a storied history. He also not too long after doing uh, Near Dark because he wrote those two. Mm-hmm. But he wrote and directed a movie that has a lot of critical acclaim called Cohen and Tate, which has Roy Scheider in it. I didn't see it, but I think it's like two mob guys in a car. That two sounds mob cool. Guys he in might a car. have a body in the trunk. I'm not sure. I didn't see it. He like probably has a body in the trunk. Uh, he also wrote and directed a movie that's highly regarded in horror circles called Body Parts. Oh, seen this with I Jack yes. Leahy? Never yeah. seen it. It's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, again, it starts strong. Yeah, that's yeah. a great thing, man. Uh, but then sometime in, I believe, the 2000s, uh, there was an incident where Eric Red uh, drove his pickup truck into a restaurant where diners were dining, killed two people. He got out of the car, tried to kill himself with, like, <gasps> what? right there, was arrested. Somehow didn't do any time for this. 
I think there were civil lawsuits. I don't know how he got off. What? Yeah. The Dude, didn't Matthew fuck. Broderick get off killing people in a car accident in Ireland? He killed like three people. And everyone seems to forget about that. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like a car accident kind of scenario. Yeah. Like it was not intentional. This is intentional, apparently. Well, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if he was suicidal when he did this. I, mean, I don't it know if sounds it was an like accident. It. He just knew like right away. It's like, fuck this. I'm going to kill myself. I don't know. No, that's crazy. No, I, I, I cannot imagine that someone runs into a diner and their instant reaction is like, well, better kill myself. Yeah. I don't think that would even cross their mind. I think they'd just be in pure panic. Yeah. But I mean, but, I don't know, but but it just—it's weird. That definitely, some sort of mental break for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But the only reason that I mentioned that is because then he did a movie called A Hundred Feet, where Famke Jansen has is—I can't remember what she did, but she has an ankle bracelet. And she can't go within a hundred feet of her house, and the ghost of her ex-husband, who's a bad guy—it's Michael Pere. Oh my god! Is, oh my god! <laughs> is stalking her in her house, and she can't like leave the house. Have you seen this movie? I have not. Because I kind of want to now. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Now that you know, because I'm like... What's it called? Because he must have been on house arrest. It's uh, 100 feet. 100 feet. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to watch this. Written and directed by Eric Red. Eric Red. Michael Pare's got to be on the wall by now, right? He's been in so many things. You know, I was actually thinking... (laughs) uh, Yeah. So actually, he is... is He's working on his second appearance because he was in Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. That's right. He was in Moon 44... And then he was in Village of the Damned. Yep. Right. That's, that's yeah. And now he's in Bad Mood. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. The Hall of Fame, for those of you who, who haven't been following yeah. the show, basically, if we find an act, if an actor is in a movie three times on this show, that's right. mm-hmm. we're putting him up on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's right. The Wall the of Fame. Same. The, the Sylvester Stallone Wall of Fame, if you will. Basically. <laughs> yeah, Since that man has more appearances probably than anyone. Do we ever total up? What is he, like six? He's got to be like six or seven. Right, got to go back. And- yeah. Yep. At some point. Listeners so, do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so Bad Moon, uh, 1996. Mm-hmm. This is a Morgan Creek uh, production mm-hmm. uh, that no one, except for like werewolf movie fans, have ever heard of. No one's ever heard of this movie. How come? Absolutely no one. I don't know, because even when it came out, it did horribly. Like, it would never had a moment of success. I don't remember like, a lot of promotion for this. Yeah. I, like, I didn't even know. I think... I became aware of it because it's got a very cool looking uh, cover poster image. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became aware of it when it was out on like video store shelves. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do not remember the yeah. theatrical release for this movie at all. And I'm mm-hmm. into this kind of stuff. Yes, you right. are. And would have you gone. are you right. are the audience for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. But realistically, how popular are Eric Red movies? I mean, Near Dark did pretty well. Yeah, Hitcher did well. I mean. It- I don't know if they are like huge box office success. They're yeah. like cult, you know. Right. They're known well, that's, by that's the, the whole right. cult following. Usually, yeah. um, ninety nine percent of the time comes later. It's yeah. not an initial thing. I feel like the Hitcher so. was financially successful at its time, though. So. Like it was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty well. It was a hit. Yeah, yeah. it was a it hit. Was like a sleeper yeah. hit. You know, mm-hmm. one of those. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that was what really pushed C. Thomas Howell to the forefront was that movie, right? So. There was in Soul Man right before. Soul no, Man. Oh right God! <laughs> yeah, which Listeners, has if a you're horror. not familiar, Google Soul Man yeah. and figure it out for yourself. Oh man, <laughs> that man. that movie yeah. is an enigma. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe someday it'll make it here. <laughs> I mean, that would it be might. Fun. That it, would it's be pretty fun right to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, well, I mean, why? Uh, you know, I mean, like, uh, how how did this movie like end up on the on the radar? I guess. 
Uh, I collect werewolf movies. <laughs> and I, You're a and werewolf yes, fan. I love them. I love them. I think this is the third one I brought I to the show. I was going to say, I think that yeah. was evident during Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers and I brought Curse, too. You did. So. Dog Soldiers was first, um, though, right? All right, Michaela. Here we go. Hot top five werewolf. No, I was actually gonna say you. We've had this discussion off mic because I, 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 I don't want to say famously, but I don't like the howling. Like that's not a movie. I, I, it's not, I don't want to enjoy it as a werewolf movie. And you challenged me to name ten werewolf movies that were better than the howling, and it was a real stretch to try and come up with ten. Just I don't like the howling. Well, okay. Well, here's the, the question. The pool is shallow, but it's rich. It, yes. <laughs> so should we do a hot five, top five uh, werewolf movies or movie werewolves? Um, ooh. I mean, for me, the, a lot of times they're one and the same for the most part. Okay. Like, I think, I mean, we talked about a Dark Soldiers one. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the best werewolf movies. And I think it's the single best werewolf design, too. Okay. So, the werewolf design in Dog Soldiers is kind of like a naked human mm-hmm. with, uh, they're kind of painted brown and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of hair. Mm-hmm. And then they have this kind of upper body and full head mm-hmm. werewolf animatronic. But they're sure. really tall and gangly and yep. have like long yeah. fingers, like really long, like digits and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're really, they tower over the, every, every person in that movie. Yeah. I always think about that scene when he's laying in the bed and he's towering over him. So you like bipedal werewolves. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I found it interesting not to jump ahead a whole bunch of this movie, but like when Michael Pare transforms that he turns into a wolf man and then a werewolf. Did you mm-hmm. guys think that was weird that he like yeah. turns into like a Lon Chaney wolf man first mm-hmm. yeah. and then goes to full on like yeah. muzzled werewolf mm-hmm. later? It's like a thriller just kept going. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, what's your what? Well, who should we start with? We got to do this. Okay. Like, what's, your, what's your best were- movie werewolves? Um, I mean, Dog Soldiers, American Werewolf in London, obviously. Yeah, the Hell Beast. Yeah. Um, I mean, this one, this movie's up there. I really like the design in this one a lot. It doesn't move as well as it should, but it's still pretty good. But that's more see but that's mm-hmm. comes down to the question of is it design or is it the you know director photography uh, you know the 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 way it's mm-hmm. shot the way it's performed. I think this movie had a lot of full body shots which yeah. I thought was daring, you know, yeah, because like yeah. it ends up looking like a guy in a costume. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good the sculpt is, mm-hmm. which I think this is probably one of you know, the, maybe one of the best movie werewolf, you mm-hmm. know, designs. I mean, personally, I, so I like, I yeah. think maybe of the bipedal nature. Mm-hmm. I do like, uh, in the, I think it's the second underworld movie, like the lead lichen. Mm-hmm. It was the gray one. Yeah. That one I thought was a, that is a good one. Yeah. That, I about a really that is cool a good looking, one. Yeah. And I it, like that one a lot. Because they don't show it moving enough mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. just what you get from the glances of it, you know, I think it's basically there at the end, but some of that may be CG too. I don't know, but that's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Wolfman. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Wolfman 2010. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, that, I was going to say that's, that's definitely my top five. I like mm-hmm. the Wolfman. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of dig the uh, Oliver Reed Wolfman from uh, Curse of the Werewolf because mm-hmm. he actually... Now that I'm thinking about it, the Wolfman 2010 uses a lot of that imagery. It does. You know, of the shirt yes. that's open and he's got like the furry chest and, you know, the. It's kind of that classic werewolf yeah. image. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think they're the wolves are pretty well designed in The Howling. I more have problems with the narrative of that movie. Not so much the design. I agree. The design's fine. I just, the yeah. story is not what yeah, I want. I do like I agree. the werewolf, the werewolves mm-hmm. in The Howling. Yeah. Rob Bottin's. Because I think that was the first bipedal werewolves. It, it might movie. be. Yeah. Uh, th- I think this movie, Bad Moon, might be one of the only werewolf movies where you only see, like, one werewolf at a time, right? 
Like we like basically Michael Parr is pretty much there's the werewolf at the very in the cold open. But other than that, he's the only one in this movie. Yeah, but there I there think, aren't other ones that like like the Howling. There was a bunch of them. Dog yeah. Soldiers. There's a bunch of them. But the long tradition of movie werewolves right. going back to Werewolf of London or mm-hmm. She Wolf of London. I can't remember if she actually transforms. I think so. But then you got like movies like The Boy Who Cried Werewolf mm-hmm. and the entire run of uh, Paul Nashi movies where he played Valdemar Daninsky, the cursed Spanish nobleman who, uh, you know, always mm-hmm. turned it in. Basically, he looked like the wolf man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were always guys with furry faces and fangs and a snout mm-hmm. wandering around, you know, foggy woods. Yeah. Yep. Until I think Joe Dante or Rob Oteen basically mm-hmm. designed the howling bipedal werewolves. And then I think he got into more like, you know, when you have Jack Nicholson and Wolf, he has to fight another werewolf. When you yep. get to the 2010 Wolfman, there's two werewolves. You yeah. know, it's like you can't just be that idea of a guy versus his own nature. Kind right. Of it's a monster movie trope. Lake Placid does it. Anaconda does it. Every monster movie yes. does it. The twist at the end is always, there's two of them? Yeah. That's what it always is. Dare we say the Meg? Yeah, the Meg. <laughs> the Meg is a monster movie trope. So I'm glad yeah. that this movie didn't fall into that trap of like... Oh, surprise. There's another one. Yeah. No, it was just Michael Parry the whole time. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Just him. So Eric Red has a classic kind of, uh, well, this is based on a novel. Yes. And it, I, I've read it. It's great. Did you? I, yes. I love this book. I okay. actually, Good. I actually think the, I mean, the book is a lot better than the movie, but that's what I hear. It's a lot what's better. the book called? Uh, the book's called Thor. Who's it by? Uh, Wayne Smith. Okay. Yep. And it was written in like 91 or 92. So okay. not long before they made this movie. Okay. Um, and it's the, the movie, or the book is actually pretty deep compared to the movie. Um, the book is told entirely from Thor the dog's perspective for the most part. He's a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. And in the book, they like, like there's more kids and like the family's a little bit bigger, but it's not important. Um, but Thor is going through all these like complicated emotions of like, the family accepts this guy when he's in human form, but when he's a dog, they don't accept him. And what does that say about my place in the pack? And should I, should I protect them? Or like, is this a friend? And like, he's really confused. Or is going it the alpha, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Book, the book is from a dog's perspective. Yeah. It's great. It's, and like, he just, he is like, like I said, it's really pretty deep for being a yeah. book from a dog's perspective. But yeah, he's really confused about like how this character fits into the pack and like what it means for his role in the pack. It's really interesting. And this movie doesn't touch on any of those like subtleties. Like, yeah, it's too bad. I mean, that I don't is, know how that you is do a it, really but... bold thing to do in a book. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, well, that's the cool idea. Yeah, yeah. That's what really gets the bold. Book noticed, I suppose. It's mm-hmm. like we're gonna. So what you need to make is like Benji, the Benji version. No, where that's, <laughs> that's when, we're, when we're watching this. I was thinking, I was like, you know, this is like. Because I, I notoriously hate fucking dog movies and horse movies. I hate that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, this is like fucking Beethoven for grownups. Yeah. Like, that's kind yeah. of what this is. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it works. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really bizarre. I, I can't figure out how else to explain it. Because it's even got like that, uh, that, that like John Williams-y score that we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. Really. It's, it's very... Kind of Spielbergy. It's got that like family kid friendly feel in in parts of it. When they were doing the flyover shots of the woods, I was like, they're yeah. gonna kick in the Jurassic Park theme song like any yeah. minute now. Like it felt like it was going that way for real. Yeah. And the other kid like doing his ET scene of riding the bike yeah. to go save his dog. Yeah. Fucking Dennis the Menace on his red bike. I was <laughs> yeah. like, this is like it is Dennis the Menace. Yeah, it is Dennis the Menace. Yeah. In the nineties, what's his name? Mason Gamble. Mason yeah. Gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
with uh, Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah. He looks, exactly, yeah. He looks exactly like that in this movie. He looks exactly the same. I think that yeah. was probably yeah. made around I was like, yeah. it's gotta be like, like yeah. he's gotta be like yeah. a year older in this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's such a cute kid. Uh, who else is in this movie? Mariel Hemingway. Who we would know from? Uh, Superman 4. Quest for Peace. <laughs> I know. I looked her up on IMDb. And I was like, I was like that's it. <laughs> well, and, and Woody Manhattan, Allen's yeah. Yeah, Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Was, and that's all the, I could uh, come up with. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Like, I mean, she's obviously done a bunch of other stuff in TV right. shows, but like what people would remember her for. There's like, her cheekbones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And her last that's name. what you remember her for. <laughs> yeah. She's the great granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Her yeah. and her sister, Margot Hemingway. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in a movie called Lipstick where she was attacked by... Uh, Chris Sarandon. Ah, no, oh, wow. Trying to bring this around to playing horse, or werewolves six stories of separation. Yeah. yeah, didn't work. Got no. the vampires with Fright Night. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You tried. A werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the, the, so this basically this is a three, well, okay. There's like seven four. people in this whole movie. That, yeah. Did you notice how short movie. the cast list was? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. it's really short. But it all takes place in a, well, okay, it starts off. The in, cold open, yeah. Yeah, the cold open. Rainforests of the Amazon mm-hmm. tropics. Mm-hmm. Was it the Amazon? I think he said that it was the Amazon. The IMDb says Nepal, would, but that does all, not look like Nepal. All the guys that were sitting around the fire were like Nepalese. Yeah. 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 Huh? yeah. Okay. I get the idea of like, you know, I mean, what? You always, uh, I think it was Werewolf of London set up the idea that the dude went to, I think it was Nepal mm-hmm. and he up in the caves or whatever he was. You know, exposed to the wolf's bane. Is that whatever. like the origins of the lichen mythology? Maybe. No, I think it's like Eastern Europe. Yeah, that's what I thought. Feels European. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think it's just like name. Let's. What's an exotic place halfway around the world that you know we can start this off? But at. You gotta have somewhere that has wolves. Yeah. This is like a tropical rainforest that we're looking at at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, like, which makes no sense. Yeah, there makes wolves. no sense. This, no, but whatever. There's, there's no wolves. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pere is a like, some sort scientist? of scientist, anthropology, Research something scientist, something yeah, yeah. where he travels. Because remember, doesn't he tell like his girlfriend slash assistant whatever? He's like, and then next month we're going here, and then next month we're going there. And yeah, like, and in his uh, trailer, he's got like a microscope with tubes, and he's got mm-hmm. like laid out lizards. And yeah, stuff, I got so. the idea. He was like a doctor without borders kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or was he just researching like diseases and stuff and the rainforest of Nepal. Put whatever you want on him. Sure. You okay. know. Well, at the beginning of this movie, and there is two different versions of this film, which there are two key sequences, I guess, that are different between the unrated NC-17 director's cut and the R-rated version, which I believe is the one that we watched. I think so. I think so. Uh, there's a graphic. I remember in the 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 unrated version, a graphic mm-hmm. sex scene that starts off the movie, basically, I mean, within like a minute or two, mm-hmm. between Michael Prey and his girlfriend, and that is interrupted by a graphic um, uh, werewolf attack in their little tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was much shorter in this mm-hmm. version, but right. he gets bitten or clawed or something by the ferocious beastie, mm-hmm. and yeah. she gets completely maimed, mm-hmm. and then cut to. Six months later, whatever mm-hmm. the hell it is, yeah, Pan- aerial day. over the forest, yeah, that, yeah, that Cue Spielbergian soundtrack, uh, soundtrack, yeah, on the yeah score. So our domestic set- setup is Mario Hemingway plays a lawyer. We know this because 
She treats a guy by throwing her business card in his face saying, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That's all you need to know about it. It's not important. It's really not an important scene. No. Don't no. mess with a lawyer on her own turf. Yeah. Yeah. We're- Actual line of this movie. Actual line. It could have been so much better. I love it when characters have to tell you what they do to define like what they are. In a really literal sense like that. <laughs> it doesn't have any bearing at all on anything that transpires no. in this entire movie. Her being movie. a lawyer has nothing to do with the rest she of She never this works movie. in this whole movie. She's always home. She's home making cookies watching Oprah. Yeah. And baking pies. <laughs> yeah. Made pie. Made muffins. Yeah. God damn it. We're saying that you probably don't have time to do this if you're like working on a massive client list. I've and, known uh, a few lawyers, and none of them have time to make a fucking rhubarb pie. I'm yeah. sorry, they don't. She never leaves the house. Never. No, this is like a bottle movie. It takes place like in mostly one location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm suspecting that the whole thing is actually a massive indoor set. I don't know. I mean, the house could be out outdoors, but uh, it's in the woods. It's very scenic. It's in like all these pine trees and all this. Yeah. And it's uh, very remote. And uh, Mariel Hemingway lives with her son, Dennis the Menace. Yep. Who's just a precocious little kid. Yeah. And their dog, Thor. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Michael Pere comes back into the States. Uncle Ted. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't come immediately to, this is uh, her uh, brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't come immediately to the the family home. He, like, sets up his little trailer trailer on the edge of Lake Placid. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is like this is where I was like the Canadian Board of Tourism should have gotten on board with this movie and like, you know, partnered up because like those shots of where he was like camping in his trailer was like, that looks awesome. I want to go there. I know. Yeah. It's <laughs> it absolutely gorgeous. In real life, you can't actually go and like put your tra- just park your trailer no. there. I'm yeah. Sure. No, you can't. Yeah. Uh, so he's living the the uh, whatever. He's at liberty basically mm-hmm. because we don't know where he makes his money either. No. No, it's all that sweet, sweet he, research money. I guess he's, he's a scientist. Don't they use grants for everything? Like, yeah, I don't, he's I don't a straight know transient at this point, yeah. though. Like, yeah. we we theorized he was squatting in the trailer. Even it wasn't even his. Because yeah, he couldn't so. figure out how he actually got the trailer there. Because there's no truck. He there's doesn't no, have a car. No. <laughs> there's no car trailer. shown ever. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, he has to have one because eventually he takes the trailer to his sister's house. Like, yeah. how did he do that? Right. Well, mm-hmm. I assume she went and picked him up. Maybe she has a trailer. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Can't remember what kind of car she drives because she never leaves the house. It was like a, she had like an SUV. It was like a Jeep Cherokee or something. There was yeah. that knockoff, like the shining shot of her driving on the road. Oh, right. You know, at the yep. beginning when okay. she's going to visit him. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. You got me. So there yeah. you go. It's got a trailer hitch. Yeah. Yeah. She put, tows him back and sets him Thank up. God we figured out the logic of that. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> well, no, I still don't get it because he is parked in this nice yeah. little perfect I mean, it's like an outcropping of uh, rock or, you know, moss and covered rock, which is where you would set a trailer. The most beautiful landscaping of any, of any yeah. maybe ever I've yeah. seen in a movie. Yeah. Like, How did they get it up The very there? edge yeah. of a lake in the middle of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. beautiful. But, uh, so anyway, there's, uh, there's several murders that apparently are now occurring stateside uh, where people are being ripped open. Mm-hmm. You always have to have your one that sets up the threat. So we can see how vicious this beast is mm-hmm. where a guy is going around, I assume, for some kind of uh, logging company measuring trees mm-hmm. in the middle of the night because that's what you do. None of these guys knock off at five o'clock with everybody else. They stay up. Measuring like, by moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he starts to hear <laughs> like you the, do. The, the animal <laughs> howl out there in mm-hmm. the in the in the, the blackness. Yeah. The foggy blackness. And then for some reason he looks up. What? 
I thought that was weird. He looked up because well, the drool the was drool dripping on his helmet. No, no, no. At the beginning when he was first, because he's like, oh. it's nothing. And he continues to measure, writing his book. And there's another howl. And he looks around. And then there's a big howl. And he looks up. Mm. And I'm like, what? Is there a flying werewolf? What's happening? That would be cool. If only. That would be cool. I mean, a, it kind of flies. It like jumps up in trees like, silently, apparently. Like a flying squirrel where it has like that would be uh, cool. those wings that it pulls out. It'd be unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> Just swoop down, <laughs> scoop you up. <laughs> That's terrifying. You're right. Like, That's horrible. Yeah, I know. I want to see that I movie. I was kind now. of thinking that it would have full-on wings, like a Mothman situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, don't the flying squirrels have the? They just have like of? the skin between. Yeah, the yeah. membrane. Yeah. Oh, you want? Holly I wants full-on. Full wings. Yeah. Full on wings. yeah. yeah. You want a like werewolf and a pterodactyl and Rudolph, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but this the guy lion that flies around. fucking werewolf Pegasus is what I want. <laughs> it could Guess still we got to write it, Holly. Yeah. I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> it's still young in the whole, you know, werewolf uh, movie genre. No, it's not. We're, we're well into it, I think. But uh, so anyway, we see this guy get eviscerated. It's kind of gory. Right, was it? Um, I can't remember. He gets drooled on. I feel like the goes, aftermath is more Oh, it bites, oh, into it bites his, his helmet. Yeah, yeah through his helmet. his helmet, yeah. Blood squirts all over the Which place. I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so because of this, the police descend on this area, and Michael Perret is like, I can't stay here because obviously they're going to get on to something. Why and Why so, was he not immediately a suspect and like taken into custody? I think they were so convinced that it was an animal. But like they had his his like trailer was part of the crime scene. It was behind the crime scene tape, yeah. and they just let this guy walk. Yeah, shitty police department. Oh yeah, real shitty in Timberline. <laughs> yeah, which is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Then he moves to Forest Glen or something like that. I can't remember the sign sure. was on that. Yeah, something like that. Um. Okay, so he takes up residence with his sister, and this is when the actual plot of the movie kicks in. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so here's the thing, I guess, that I have seen this movie several times before. Mm-hmm. I saw it, I think, like on its initial video release. I saw it again in its unrated version, and I saw it again tonight. And I think I misinterpreted this movie the past two times that I saw it. All right. Holly is a first-time Fresh viewer eyes. tonight, so yeah. you can either back me up on okay. this or not. The first time I saw this... I w- went into it going like, okay, who are the characters that we identify with as audience? Who is our main protagonist? Mm-hmm. Who'd you, who, who's the main protagonist in this movie? The main protagonist? Yeah. The dog. Okay. So I, I think so. I, I didn't yeah. go there. I got, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I connected around, with I Thor did. immediately. I, I immediately <laughs> went to the dog. He's yeah. actually okay. got a pretty expressive face for a dog. I feel like like this might be some of the best no, dog acting I've his, ever seen in a d- movie. His eyes tell this fucking story. Yeah. yeah. His mm-hmm. eyes... Oh. Yeah, and that's something that's tricky. I don't understand how they got his eye line to be so perfect in every scene for whatever he needed to express. Like, every scene where he needed to be, like, staring down Michael Pare, he was looking right at the perfect angle when they cut to him. You they, know? Are, like, they are absolutely holding a treat behind the camera. Yeah, they're but like, absolutely. But, like, that. we've watched a lot of movies with dog actors, though, and I think this one might be one of the best ones we've ever seen on the I mean, show. Th- my cat does that. If I hold something, yeah. he will look at it. Whatever, mm. wherever I take it, he mm. looks at it. Mm. Do you know how many thing. dogs were used in the making of this film? Yes, there was a, at least three. Um, there was one. So there was Primo, who was a movie trained dog that did a lot of the like running and like the interacting with the people. There was Decca, who was a like veteran movie dog that was had been at the point when they filmed this movie had been doing movies for ten years, so she was kind of older and couldn't do like the really active stuff. So she would do. Like, 
like the over the shoulder shots and kind of the close ups and stuff. And then for the actual physical scenes where like the dogs interacting and fighting with people and things, they used um like military trained dogs. And were for any, that and were any of them in canine with Jim Belushi? <laughs> that I do not know. I did not go to each individual dog's IMDb page and browse their credits, were. but I bet at least one um, of them. But you can you can tell when they switch to the like police trained dogs. hundred yeah. percent, you can tell. There was one scene where I was actually it kind of made me nervous, which that was at the beginning because this like con man shows up at the house. It's the only other character mm-hmm. really in the mm-hmm. movie. Yep, he shows up and he tries to get the dog to attack him so he can file an insurance claim. Then it turns out she's a lawyer. Boom. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a scene where the dog knocks him down on the ground mm-hmm. and this snarling dog mm-hmm. is like an inch away from this guy's face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is one confident actor or he is scared shitless mm-hmm. right now with this dog <laughs> snarling. At that, at, Yeah. No, at that, po- at that point I was actually wondering if he was the actual handler of the mm. dog. Yeah. I've seen that guy in other movies though. Yeah. So I know he's an actor mm-hmm. by trade. But, and that yeah. I think was one of the moments where they did use the police dog, you know, just like uh, when Michael Parry gets bit in the third act, like that very much is like, you ever seen those videos, like the police dogs, yeah, yeah. the guys oh. wear the sleeves. Yeah. yeah the, Michael Parry had a sleeve on like that. And they oh, just okay. set yeah. the police dog at him. So, okay. but like, I, I, you know, when, when you see movies with dogs and you try to spot when it's a different dog by like, if they look different, I feel like it was pretty seamless for the I most thought, part in yeah. this movie. Yeah. It was it really like well done. Yeah, yeah. I never thought it was a different dog. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad that you saw it with the dog as the mm. protagonist because yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I didn't know about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you? Right. You, you know, didn't, didn't, it was just like, this is a werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. And then it's like. Okay, am I supposed to identify with her? Am I supposed to identify with the kid? Or am I supposed to identify with the guy who is turning into the werewolf? Only this time around. Stupid me, mm-hmm. right? Because I'd heard it's based on it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this like it's a dog movie. And then it was like, oh, it's a dog movie. The dog yeah. Thor is the main character He's the, of like, the movie. <laughs> this is the most loyal dog I've ever seen in my life. This dog has yeah. one thing, one primary directive. And like that is it. He like... He he lives to to protect this family. He's yeah. a nanny dog. You know? Yeah, yeah. He actually goes and checks on them at night. Goes into each room. And he brought him his stuffed animal. <laughs> yeah, and that's so cute. That's so cute. That's what I loved. Is like you see like the gen- it be this like if you could write a human character as well as this dog is written in this movie, like that'd be such a great movie. Like yeah. the gentleness that he has with the kid when oh. he goes to check on him and brings him his stuffed animal versus like the viciousness when he turns on a dime. Like mm-hmm. it's dog's a good actor. Dogs are really good at yeah. But I still feel there was something missing. Like, like either we needed to start off the movie, like, like after you see the Michael Parade cold open, then there needs to be like something where the dog, you know, like in Cujo or something, the dog goes off and has like, you know, find something, chases a rabbit, not, he gets the guy off the property, something without the humans. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, are like, I'm with the dog as a central character. And then he goes back and then gets introduced to the kid and, you know, this other stuff. But like, I don't know. I was taking it like, you know, okay, here are the humans and yeah, they have a pet. But, but they had those dog POV camera shots though. Yeah. You know, but that it, didn't, it, didn't work for you. It just feels like there's something missing in the, maybe it's because of the camera angles too. We're often shooting the dog from like a human uh, uh, or above camera angle and we're not down with the dog's mm-hmm. point of view like you are in like homeward bound or right. you know uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. or beethoven or something like that where you know it those, just those are the contemporaries of this movie yeah. those are around the same time yeah. so yeah yeah so maybe just i don't know I, I felt like maybe it wasn't strong enough in its ident- audience identification 
with the dog. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. like I said, especially in compared to like the book, like this is like, I can see why you might not necessarily immediately think the dog is the protagonist. Yeah. You just think the dog's like a major part of the story, mm-hmm. not necessarily the protagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once you see it mm-hmm. as the dog is the primary protagonist, it like it changed the entire dynamic of the movie mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Cause then I'm like, Oh, this is like a, uh, you know, alpha beta struggle mm-hmm. yeah. between Thor mm-hmm. And this guy who's just moved in, who is, you know, either the threat or the alpha in the pack. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a whole bunch of stare downs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess yeah. The first there time are, there are like, a lot of stare downs. Half of this movie is like cutting back and forth between Michael Pare staring at this dog. Like, is that's that, half of this is movie. Is that dramatically intense is my question. Uh, not as, it would be if they didn't use it so much. They use it too much. That's the thing. That's that yeah, scene where like... Okay, that scene, I'm going to say this, but you're going to be like, which one? Because it happened so much. <laughs> but the scene when, like, Thor is staring down Michael Parry in his trailer, and Michael Parry goes back inside and, like, stares out the window and then comes back and tries to sneak around him. That scene's way too long. Mm-hmm. It does not need to be that yeah. long. We get it, you know? We, yeah, because you're going, like, can't he, why, why can't he move? Like, yeah. what's going to happen if he moves? Right. Well, the dog going to do something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You know, what's happening mm-hmm. here? The guy's just like, I'm not coming out because the dog's fucking staring at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the dogs. But but at this point, we've seen that dog do that like three days in a row now. So we don't need to keep going back yeah, to like the dogs exactly. gonna stare at him all the time. Like yeah. Well, there's also the dog like pees on his, uh, his trailer, trailer yeah. which, which awesome. I thought was you know yeah because <laughs> I'm like funny. oh the dog's like marking his territory. And then I'm mm-hmm. like well Michael Prey at some point needs to you know when he came out and he's staring him down. I'm like he's just gonna pee over his you know where he peed on the trailer, but that never happens. Mm-mm. But at least that does pay off. That does pay off. And I liked that later in the movie. <laughs> that was funny. Michael Prey ends up peeing on Thor's or in on Thor's the dog house. Dog house. <laughs> yes. Yep. Funny. That was great. That was pretty good. Which I <laughs> guess is solidifying that whole idea. Like this is what the movie's actually about. Yeah. And not only that, he did it after like Thor had been taken away to animal control. So yeah. like, that was like a final, just like finishing move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I got you out of the house and I'm going to piss on like, your shit, you know? Yeah. God, that scene when he got drugged out of the house to go to animal control so sad. Oh, I hate so that scene. sad. I hated it so much. Well, that was the moment where I was like, all right, tell me what happens to the dog. I can't take it. He had two people holding him and he was dragging them. Did you I notice know. that? That dog was dragging those two it people. It made me really sad because those things were on his neck. Mm-hmm. Poor baby. Yeah, it's like the leash things yeah. or whatever that they use for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The like hook thing. Well, he yeah. gets taken away to animal control. Why? I mean, this is a power play, right? This right, is Michael yeah. Prey basically getting the dog. At some point, it's like, I got to get him yeah. out of the... He antagonizes the dog. Yes. He, like, gets all smarmy with him and, like, winks at him. And basically, like, it's... it's Yeah, it's like two alphas facing yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, And then so the dog bites him. And then uh, that's when they're like, oh, he's got a taste for blood. He's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is why the fucking scene that I'm like, this scene's unnecessary. The scene with the fucking con man. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Is relevant mm-hmm. to the script because... Yeah. You have to, the con man comes back to apparently with a fucking uh, hatchet knife. A butcher knife, yeah. He's yeah. going to like attack and kill the fucking dog or something. That's like because, a meat cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. But the werewolf is there and the werewolf uh, kills the guy and apparently splatters him all over the road. And so the, the uh, cops assume that Thor did it. Yeah. And so Thor has to get taken away to animal mm-hmm. control. Right. I'm like, uh, oh, so that's why the con man was in there. Because yeah. otherwise, I'm like, why can't we cut this fucking scene out? It's mm-hmm. Right. Because at that point, they're like, well, you did call in that complaint. Like, it could have been Thor. And mm-hmm. she's, you know, has her reservations. And then he bites Uncle Ted. Oh, 
Thor's a biter. Yeah. Well, and not not only is he a biter, he's a fucking killer. Because at yes. this, let's not forget, he, he didn't just bite the con man. man. He fucking murdered him and tore him to shreds, is what yeah. the police believe, what at think. least. Yeah. That's what yeah, they I think know. happened. Yeah. He, he just bites someone. He murdered like, a person. Wouldn't there be some evidence on his coat or something yeah. like that? I mean, right? If you right. Yeah. completely yeah. eviscerated a yeah. person. He'd be covered in blood. Like he is at, at later on in this movie. Like yeah. we see that when he attacks the werewolf later on. I thought that a lot covered. of that was his uh, injuries that he ends up sustaining, but maybe not. I don't know. Like I assume you have I, it all over your muscle. Yeah, but I mean that was the moment that um because Thor had been in a fight with Uncle Ted in werewolf form, and he was bloody. Mm-hmm. She said he came home. He had been in a fight, mm-hmm. so he had blood on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. probably not enough for how. That's right. The did. other guy was pulverized. Yeah. yeah. I did like kind of the gore in that scene. Um, yeah. Because the werewolf, uh, like, raises him up the midsection and somehow ends up taking off, like, a couple of his fingers. Mm-hmm. So he's got the, you know, dangling the broken, mm-hmm. you know, severed bloody mm-hmm. uh, yeah. digits in front of the camera. Yeah. The makeup effects in this are by Steve Johnson. They're solid. Steve Johnson also did Species. Sphere, sphere. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I think he what, actually. Were there makeup effects like in sphere? In sphere? I don't. Remember I don't recall yeah. there like being the, effects. I just well, remember I mean, a lot of giant that book octopi. over and over again. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess so. A million copies of that book in the bookshelves is all and I remember. Timmy about or that whatever book. the AI alien thing that doesn't want to get upset or what happens when you get, yeah whatever. Uh, oh, see, I don't even remember that. I've already started talking to, to them, right? Yeah, uh, but he also did. Uh, I think it was the Abyss. Well, he did uh, oh, some yeah. of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies or Hellraiser. Or something. I mean, he was around in the eighties. He was famously married, I think, for two years to Linnea Quigley, the Scream Queen. Really? Yeah, I don't think that lasted very long, but I knew she married one of the makeup effects guys. Yeah, because they met during Nightmare on Elm Street four. When he had to do a cast of her breasts. Yep. Might have been Night of the Demons, which I think he did the special effects for. Yeah. 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 We talked about right. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We talked yep. about it on the Night of the Demons episode. There yep. we go. We did. And Steve Johnson. call that now. This is his werewolf. We remember some things we say. That's right. <laughs> it all comes back around. You got to pay attention. This is the long con. You have yep. to listen to all these episodes mm-hmm. and then it comes back. And the werewolf is played by Ken Kersinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Ken Kersinger. The Ken Kersinger. <laughs> Stunt man extraordinaire. Yeah. Who the fuck is that? Oh, uh, he's Jason in. Is it Freddy versus Jason? No, he's Jason. In? No, he's part eight. Oh no, wait. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Freddy he's Freddy versus, versus Jason. Jason. Yeah, because that was the one that Kane Hodder would like work so hard to get and then got screwed over on. That's right. Yep. So yes. yeah, every horror movie yeah. fan knows that he does in conventions. He's, he's around. Jason. He's a recognizable dude. He's big. He's in part eight though. That's why I, oh, I gotcha. thought he's the cook that Jason throws into the Ed oh, in New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the little diner. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so there you go. Brought it all back. Yeah. Ken Kurtzinger as the werewolf mm-hmm. in the suit running around in the woods. So this is what uh, Uncle Ted does. He's exhausted all scientific knowledge. He is in his little uh, alcove in his trailer. He's got a bunch of test tubes of urine. No, I'm sorry. Is it blood? It's yellow. It looks urine. It looks like, like urine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and microscopes. And a big... Bunch Book. of ancient texts. This is what I love. <laughs> Monster tropes again. Oh, yeah. Werewolf lore. Lore of the werewolf. Yeah. And this big leather bound book. Because no one goes to the bookstore and buys like a modern printing of these no. things. They always have to have it's more legitimate yeah. if you have the smelly ancient yeah. leather. He, he, yeah. he fucking schlepped to Romania to get this shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah. we don't know how long it's been since he's been cursed. He has a diary that eventually Mariel Hemingway 
finds and starts reading. Right. And finds well, wait, out Wait, we know it's been at least six months, right? Because there's a six-month time jump after he... Okay, so it's six months? ...beginning in the movie, yes, six But months. he's been in America for three months before the story starts. Right. right, but there's a... But, like, after the cold open happens, it says six months later, and then she get that's when she gets the phone call being like you've been home for three months yeah. right so like so three, three months, months traveling and three months over home. to romania yeah. yep bought books on <laughs> werewolf lore trying to cure himself the movie i want is what's happening in all that time like where are the, all these people he's killing and managing like obviously yeah. he killed a bunch of people in that time you want the movie of yeah. him discovering his new werewolf yeah yeah like, no i agree with that i'm just like especially like <laughs> especially like she, he's been home for three months so he's been what 200 miles away from her for three months and yeah. What he's been killing people for three months and like it's just now trickling down. Yeah, like I mean, it. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't almost, make sense. It if you feels like, it. but I can imagine in the book there's no cold open. We don't get to see. This is I think, I don't think maybe so. a problem structurally with the movie by starting it with the cold open and starting it with Air, uh, Michael Pere. You're like he's the central character. He's your, your protagonist in the movie, and he's going to be fighting against his own duality in order to protect his family that he puts in jeopardy. But that's not it. Nope. So it. we could I actually like that. That's not it, though. But we could get rid of that whole cold open. Yeah, I mean it's cool, but that's all it like, is. And her long lost brother, who's been off doing good work for Greenpeace or you know yeah. whatever the United Nations or whatever, is come back home. But there's something off about him. And boom, story. That yeah. would be ba- oh oh. I of course, this movie idea. is like seventy six minutes long, Ooh. so I mean that would make it like not a feature, right? Yeah, but no, I like where you're going with that because like. Like a lot of times, the werewolf movie twist is who is the werewolf, right? And yeah. that's this movie you know from the fucking jump who it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So you're just like you're you're. It's always weird to watch a movie where you're five steps ahead of the protagonist and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to be a, st- a, a step ahead of them for a few minutes or for a scene. It's not really okay to be ahead of them for the full, whole movie, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like what you're saying. I would almost like it if like he went away to war and came back and they thought he just had like really bad PTSD, yeah. but he came back a werewolf. That right, would be yeah. so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're, this is the yeah. movie right here. We're right in the movie. And she like yeah. feels burdened to take care of him because he's been through all this shit, but then yeah. like it ends up being all of their undoing. You know? I like oh, this movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right, well, we're, we're gonna have to write we, it. We remake Bad Moon. <laughs> yeah. We'll just change, change but I mean, we all know why they needed the cold open. They needed boobs. Yeah. That was why. Yeah, because they're brother and sister, so they're not going to get them any exactly. other way. So needed boobs. Suppose, you're saying for your exploitation movie boob quotient, yeah, you got to have that. Without those up. boobs, it's it's more of a kid movie. Mm-hmm. But that's what's <laughs> weird about it. I it's know like, it's so weird. I know. <laughs> it's like we've got, well, you know, either uh, a soft core sex or graphic, almost graphic sex, uh, and gore, and then right after that, it's like this family drama for you know. Most of the runtime, it's bizarre. Punctuated every once in a while by more graphic gore. Yes, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? There's a lot of like, like I said, I was talking about with Eric Red's like weird character study moments. We're living in Mariel Hemingway's house with her a lot. Yeah. Not so much with her kid. I feel like the kid's not in the movie a whole not lot. very much. I know it's Mariel Hemingway a lot though, just doing be, yeah. home stuff. See, I almost like would have preferred a version of this movie where it was more. The kid and the dog, because it's a boy and his dog, right? Right. It's a boy and his dog is a better movie, uh, you know, not, mm-hmm. I don't want to say trope. but uh, It is, it, though. It, it's, a, <laughs> it's a better narrative mm-hmm. device. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's basically said the same thing. Uh, then, like, <laughs> you know, the the dynamic between the brother and the, the sister, you know? Mm-hmm. It would have been cooler if it was, you know, he's moving in. Like, the kid is protected because, like, something happened to dad. 
And the kid is protector of mom and the dog is protector of them all. Yeah. And then dude moves in and then you have that kind of, you know, the kid is kind of having to be like, you know, he's a kid, but he he's, has to he's have the his, man of the house. He's got to be the man of the no house. Dad. Yeah. I expected that narrative right. to totally That's take off better. of being <laughs> like, like he's the man of the house because he's a, she's a single mom. And like between him and the dog, they take care of business. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. But this is solely the dog taking care of business. That's yeah. for sure. The kid doesn't do shit in this movie. Well, Marielle Hemingway, you know, I mean, they built her up the whole thing with the, her being the lawyer to shoo the guy off. It's like, okay, so she's capable and can take care of herself. And then now we're going to bring in the fucking you know, the wild thing from outside. But even at the end, I don't want to get there right now, but mm-hmm. maybe we have to, uh, that, you know, she's still able to, she's blast the fucking thing away. It's like basically a team effort between her and Thor eventually right. vanquish the werewolf. Right. In the kid's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Goes, does a howling ending. Yeah. She shoots I mean, him a bunch of time. Then Thor knocks him out. The defenestrated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I see what they were trying to do, you know, in this scenario, we see that she can fully handle herself with a jackass. We see that in the beginning. And I think the whole point of it was, can she still handle herself when it's someone she loves? I wish they would have leaned into that more, I, I agree. Right. I agree. I wish <laughs> they would have done that more. Why wasn't she like completely heartbroken and distraught that like her brother turned on her like this, right? Yeah. Like That should have been a really emotional thing to like yeah. have to kill your own brother. because yes. yeah. And it didn't seem like she cared that much. Yeah. Well, because... The brother takes steps, I guess, toward the beginning of the, the his adventure here in the Pacific Northwest to go off in the woods and chain himself. He handcuffs himself to a tree, turns into a werewolf, which nobody can hear. Where's his, where's his sweatpants every time? Because you're going to pop yeah. out of them. You're going to yeah. burst them open. Well, I so. assume he takes them off, and you know. but we see him later in the sweatpants. I don't think he'd gone, gone the full route of he's got to pull them off and then uh, handcuff himself to the tree. Mm-hmm. But one night, because Thor... Pre- prevents him from getting out before the the sun goes down all the way or as it's on its way down he uh misses that and turns into a werewolf runs around that's when he's killing people and then the second night apparently he doesn't handcuff himself then either i kind of uh, so i mean i'm making leaps here to make sense of this but i think because like we see later on that he's really becoming unhinged right yeah so i wonder if that second night when he didn't handcuff himself when he could have that's just when he's just like you know what he's like Fuck i'm it. done i tried yeah. it's i've defeated yeah, yeah you know yeah. it won i'm just gonna but, be what i am but mm-hmm. that's me doing a lot of homework for the movie because the movie yeah. doesn't say that so i know no, yeah yeah because we were saying he's making some decisions later on that seem like you know why would you his whole thing seems to be pardon me the reason that he's here at their house is because medical science has failed him. He's tried every cure for this werewolfism. And so now he thinks that the magic of being with his family unit and the family love, familial love, will somehow cause the beast, the wild part of him, to go into remission. Mm -hmm. There is no lore anywhere for any ailment that says that's the case. Not even werewolves, like beyond werewolves. Like, have you ever heard of any movie being like, family love will cure it? Like... Any lore ever. Like, no, this dude's just like, he's like, if I have to suffer, you know, I might as well suffer in comfort, I guess. Or like, you know, bum off my sister while I suffer, yeah. I guess. Like, I mean, they take the love conquers all thing a bit too seriously. Maybe it's Because like, it doesn't uh, matter. It's a bit literal. Yeah. It's it doesn't like, work out a, that way, though. It's not a fucking Care Bear movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it, do- it doesn't work out that way anyway. No. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Yeah. But see, that's why we're figuring... That it's because he's 
losing his mind. He just doesn't know. He thinks he's making sound, rational decisions, yeah. but he's impaired by the condition infection in his blood because he's yeah. lived with it for so long. Because eventually, uh, Mariel Hemingway uh, ventures, you know, sees him go out running, which is, you know, his cover for, I'm going to go out and chain myself to a tree. And she follows him and catches him before he ties himself to a tree. And his character there, I don't know if it's because it's moments before the transformation, is completely different to her. Yeah. You know, you should have listened to the dog, Janet. Oh my it's a God. line in this movie. That whole fucking scene <laughs> is, gr- is great. It's so <laughs> out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like his, I know we've talked about like. He's he's kind of having these moments where he's starting to kind of lose it, but they don't hit it hard enough. We don't really pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So then his total freak out during the transformation is so fucking bizarre. But I I get it because like that would be like an, like you're switching from a human brain to a wolf brain in a matter of minutes. So I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I get why it makes no sense and why it's out of nowhere because your body's going through these insane changes in a short amount of time. He's basically like, well, I guess you, well, cause he's assuming that, that I think he's assuming she read his diary yeah. because you already know what's going on here. So fuck it. Basically, I'm just going to change now and yeah. kill you because mm-hmm. you were stupid enough to come out here. And I told you, you should listen to the fucking dog or whatever the yeah. hell. Cause dogs, the main character in the movie. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and so then he transforms into a werewolf in what has to be ladies and gentlemen, one of the worst werewolf still worse. scenes Transformation scenes. It's bad. Really? Yeah, Cursed was really bad. Do you not remember? Cursed was like Cursed was like PlayStation One graphics. Cursed was really bad. At the end? Yeah, when Judy Greer transforms at the very end. Cursed and Cursed than this? Yes. And and it was much later than this, which made it even more unforgivable. Cursed was really bad. Cursed like Oh, that was two thousand and two thousand three. Yeah. And this is ninety six. Like for ninety six is I mean it's not good, but it's not terrible. Yeah. Hideously awful. It's a lot of warp and bubble (laughs) like warp tool a bunch. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. It's just warp tool. Yeah, it's the morph or whatever. Which if they didn't do that and just like did like stop motion effects it would look so much better yeah. you know well i mean it's like one of those things that, as we were watching it and i was just sitting there going like this is catastrophically bad like it's you have bad. failed <laughs> on every level transforming this man into this beast which is a shame because the actual wolf design is good yeah. so to, yeah, to it is. shit on it in the transformation is really unfortunate well this is the other difference between this and the unrated cut the unrated cut eric red said he's lived with everybody giving him shit about it, and he hates that transformation scene so he cut it out good so if you watch the <laughs> the long of the director's cut this scene that we're talking about is missing but it's awful Awful. One of the worst it, werewolf transformation keeps, scenes of all it's time. Long. When you think it's, it's gonna long. stop, it just keeps getting worse. Like yeah. if they yeah. would have stopped cut it short sooner, it wouldn't have been as bad, but they just keep they lean into the badness. They yeah. do. They do. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what they could do stuff in the eighties with latex rubber. Yes, exactly. That they're trying to they I don't know what they're doing with the computer effect. I mean, obviously by the time you get to the Wolfman uh, in twenty ten you know the the i mean it's still rubbery cg but it this is not even attempting that it's like this is taking 2d images and warping them into it's one like another. i just learned yeah. photoshop for the first yeah. time is yeah. what it's like it's yeah. bad and like 
I mean, I don't know if you guys know how much this movie costs to make, but when you know how much it costs to make, it's really even how more shameful. Do you want to take a guess? Because I need $17 million. Holly. Mm, $12 million. $7 million. Wow. <laughs> it well, actually, it yeah. only made $1 million at the box office. Well, yeah, because it wasn't promoted. But yeah. I can see that it cost that much because it basically There's is only like two locations stage bound. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in the yeah. house. You have four yeah. people in two locations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And one of the people is a child actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And the dog's not getting paid, so. No. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's sure. maybe it's handlers getting paid. Yeah, yeah the handler got paid. Pretty but. good amount of money. Well, yeah, there's four dogs though, mm-hmm. so you got to split it. Yeah, yeah. Huh? That, I don't feel like I saw the whole seven million on the screen. I really don't. Like, I feel like I was starting to see it up until that transformation because I thought all the effects up until then were really good. Yeah, the 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 practical gore yeah. effects. Yeah, but the transformation they couldn't handle. Nope. Um, so don't do it if you can't or do it in a way where you show like a hand change and a foot and then cut to the full werewolf. Do that cheat. That I think that's what well. in the director's cut. I think they just use, you know, that kind of wolf man version of him. Yeah. Uh, I think that's as far as it goes. And then like in the next scene, you know, you see him running through the woods and he's, uh, he's the full beast, but <coughs> pardon me. So during this moment of, uh, you know, the mom being menaced by the monster, he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to kill you. Cause that's what I do. I'm a werewolf. There's no coming back from this. The kid hops on his bike and goes all ET, very ET like <laughs> bikes to the shelter where they're holding the dog. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure what happened there. I know that the whole idea is the kid's going to go and like get the dog out. Yeah. But I'm like, I was very confused by like what was happening, like the kids sneaking up and the gates chained. And so he's tugging on it like he's going to be able to break the chain. Somehow. Yeah, that kid's an idiot. And then the big bright <laughs> lights come on, like the motion detector. Some It's more mm-hmm. like somebody knows that you're here. And he goes, oh, shit. I think it might be one of the only swear words in the movie. And then he. Uh, don't you touch my fucking son later on. Right. Yeah. At the well, very yeah. end. Mm-hmm. But then instead of like backing away because like oh shit you've been discovered then he climbs the fence and goes toward and i'm like are there guards coming out no not an animal shelter it's not it's all fucking volunteers there's no guards in the animal yeah, shelter no. how did he get the dog out of the cage because he can't like they're not the- locked it wasn't locked, cages oh, it wasn't locked. animal shelters don't lock those cages. Okay. No, I thought maybe locked. they would be you individually just fl- no you just flip to- them up and yeah. that's it it's just like regular like uh chain link gate that's it. yeah okay. that's all it is and then shelter- like dogs they can't you know they can't Speaking of Homeward Bound, when they get caught at that dog, the dog catcher catches them and take them to shelter in Homeward Bound. That's what this shelter looked like. I was like, is this the same <laughs> set from that? It looks just like it. Or maybe it was yeah. still in storage. Who knows? Right. I don't know who made Homeward Bound. That was Disney, wasn't it? Homeward I think Bound it might have been Disney Universal. Movie? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. It was not big- my favorite genre. The animal. <laughs> You're not well versed uh, in the yeah, animal. Yeah, not sorry. my favorite <laughs> genre either, Colin. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so this allows Thor to get loose and run his way back to the home so he can be there he's when. He's the best dog ever. Yes. Best dog ever. So the wolf man, wolf thing, werewolf, like chases Mario Hemingway back to the house mm-hmm. for the final climactic showdown. Yeah. And he fucking Jack Torrance is his way through that bedroom door. Yeah. I was like, wow, we're leaning really hard on that shining imagery here, aren't we? Like, she's leaning up against the door and, like, the 
like, did you guys notice the werewolf slaps a lot in this movie? He's yeah. very slappy. Like, he is very that's slappy. like, like he doesn't bite people very often. I he know. just cuts with his claws or yeah. like slaps yeah. a bunch. He just does a bunch of like, you know, it's an animatronic head. Which it's the limitations of technology, right? Like that's why they're doing that because they can't like afford to have him like bite and pull apart people. Yeah, with his and mouth that, all the time. I mean, you can. I suppose you could argue that's like the man part of him that's using his hands. Yeah, Ooh, but, I like that. Yeah, it's deep. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I didn't buy that. It's like the idea that once he's a werewolf, but yeah, he picks the kid up by the throat. You know, instead mm-hmm. of just killing him right off, I'm like. The werewolf would just kill him right off. Yes. You, yeah. know, so, you know, he's yeah. dead. Yeah. Or bite him and carry him away or yeah. whatever. Be horrible. But no, he picks him up very dramatic, like, so Thor can jump on him. Mm-hmm. Mario Hemingway can do the Halloween thing and blast him with the gun, and then Thor knocks him out the window. Thor defenestrates him, and then they have, like, a, a cool moment, I think, of, like, him laying side by side. I was really hoping for an aerial shot of that, of like the two of the, like the beast and the dog laying side by side as they like what you th- you think they're both dying because it looks like they're dying. Like in the yard, I would love like an aerial pan up from that. Yeah. You didn't get it. Nope. Didn't nope. get it. Nope. <laughs> no, it has one of the goofiest endings because the werewolf limps away. Yeah. Thor goes after him. Yeah. And so the next morning, Michael Perret, all busted up and gory looking because of his battle with the dog the night And it before. does look cool. I think the effects in this scene look good on on Michael Perret. Yeah, but then it made me think, like, so this guy doesn't get wounded or injured in any other? Like, he's not accounting for weird scratches and, you know, I mean, that's the thing about werewolves, right? You go out at night, run around bare feet. But he never had anybody fight back. Like, yeah, he just killed people and that was thistles. it. Like. Thistles aren't going to fucking cut you open that deep like Thor There's would. There's thistles. I don't know. No, but like this, he would just fucking fought a dog and got thrown through a window and shot a bunch of times. Like, it makes sense that he's this, this cut up. Yeah. 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 But still alive, having been shot all the time, yeah. he still has the battle wounds and the scars. And yeah. then he just looks at Thor. <laughs> just do it. And then we don't see what happens, but we assume we, we cut and there's a sound of like Thor attacking him. Yeah. Yeah. That was kinda of weak. Yeah, but like he was already almost dead at that point, so eh. It's true. You know? You know the game is over. Why didn't he just mm-hmm. die in the lawn? Yeah. Do we have to have him turn back to a human? So he could verbally say, you know, he's like acquiescing to Thor at that moment and yeah. saying, I'm giving you the power to kill me. I think it's kind of like, I, like, I can't beat this. So you might as well kill me. Like the best thing for everyone yeah. is and he if doesn't you just wanna, kill me. And now that he's a human again, he doesn't want to face what he just did to his own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mercy killing. Yeah. Thor, Thor's the hero. Thor, I mean, Thor, Thor is pure. He's, yeah. he's, he's made it pretty damn clear that like his family is all he has left, mm-hmm. and now he's just fucked that up. And if so. they can't heal him like he thought, yeah. then nothing can, so yeah. Thor might as well kill him. That's right. Yeah. Michael Parry was freezing his ass off during that scene. Yes, he had he so much. You could see his breath. Completely yeah. naked. A bunch. Yeah, you could see his breath That's a bunch. I was like, oh, this poor man. This yeah, is probably- thinking, what temperature does it have to be that you can see? It's like 30? 35? So, yeah. so you're below 40 degrees, probably. Yeah. And he's in the woods naked mm-hmm. with all those effects on him. Yeah. yeah. Poor man. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> he, he suffered for his craft. I know. Michael Perret. Mm-hmm. I heard on the commentary track for this, apparently Eric Red was a big fan of Michael Perret. He said he got along extremely well with the dogs. And he said he's one of the best actors that he's ever worked with. And uh, although he disparages uh, Mario Hemingway a lot, because he basically... Eric Red basically Damn. was saying that Mario Hemingway was there for the check, 
And Michael Perret was there to like turn in a performance because I, I think it's a Michael job. Perret Everyone's is, there for a check. Like, yeah, but Michael Perret, I feel, is one of those guys who's always trying to prove himself. You know? I agree. Yeah, well, I yeah, think so too. Because he comes off in a lot of ways as like a one note kind of. I mean, he's got like the kind of uh, like rocky New York, you know, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Cadence to the way he talks. So he's like trying to prove that you know I can be an actual emotive mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And I and, think, yeah, no, I, I think, I think he was fine in this. I did not care for Miss Hemingway. <laughs> did you feel she was phoning it in or is it just the stuff that she's the material? I think it was a little bit of both. I don't think she was given the best dialogue to work with, but I also thought that her acting just sucked. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find her particularly um gravitating or e- easy to latch on to. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, you know, had this been anyone else that could be on the freak show wall of fame how much more enjoyable it would be yeah you know? yeah. Like, yeah yeah you know yeah well apparently eric red also believes that she yeah, was yeah. Cast, yeah. So yeah there you go nepotism at work again right you know this was 96 same yeah what year did buffy come out right around this time i want to say right i'm just looking at this font on the case oh here. no the font is of the time the font is that like is... straight up late 90s early aughts like everyone was using it it's kind of that. That's the like the Bram Stoker's Dracula font. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, the artwork for this movie is incredibly dated. What's but- our? Uh, I can't see it there, but what's our uh, tagline? The tagline: Half for man, movie? half wolf, total terror. It works. Mm, it's uh, not uh, you're not very inspiring, but okay. They weren't. Uh, it's not a lie. Inspired. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, anything uh, last or final observations? on Bad Moon before we go around the room and uh, find out what we actually thought of the movie. No Bad Moon Rising in this Were you guys expecting that needle drop? Um I was well, I was debating do I don't have the money for it. Yeah, but after American Werewolf did it, I don't think you Every can't. movie does it though. Every like, werewolf movie? Holly wants no every movie. What was the one that Curse did? Uh, it had something at the beginning of Cursed it. Cursed had a Credence song, I think, yeah, but I don't okay. think it was that yeah. one. But, like, Holly, you brought up one time off mic, and this is, like, it's it just keeps proving itself true. Yeah. If you have a helicopter in your movie... If you movie, have a, if you have a Vietnam sequence in your movie, you will have Fortunate Son. Yeah. You will have it. It's just inevitable. Kong Skull Island had Bad Moon Rising as they're flying the helicopter to the yeah. island. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's a trope. And yeah. I guess it's all started by Apocalypse Now, right? Yeah. Yes, the, yeah. helicopter equals CCR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just well, that that's... was the ride of the Valkyries, though. But I think did Apocalypse Now have some CCR in there. Yes, I think it did. It probably yeah. did. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, first of all, ladies and germs, we're going to answer some of your mail. We're going to summon our mailman Igor to bring us that mail. Igor, bring us the mail. Masters, masters, the mail. I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising, rising. Why, thank you, Igor. Thanks. He's got his sweatpants and handcuffs. He's ready. Ready to chain himself to a tree. Yeah, he does. He doesn't know what movie we watch, just watch. He just does that's that. just that's just his yeah, regular routine. So you know, at least like they're clean he's sweatpants. This trying time. to keep yeah. us safe, though. Yeah. So there. You know, he, is um, our guard he cares. Now. He cares. Well, let's remind the good folks who are listening how they can get a hold of us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. On Twitter. At Sat Freak Show. By email. Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com. Or on Instagram at Saturday Night Freak Show. MF Mad writes in. What up? He says, uh, is there an actual Hall of Fame list that can be posted? I would be very interested to see who is on there by now, aside from 
the top of the list, of um, course. I'll start one. Will you? <laughs> yeah, Because I'm not doing that research. Yeah. Know, you have to go back through every episode and I mean, go like, who is no. it? Oh, no, shit, I'll start right. one for for the uh, time I have been on. Oh, I will start go. one. So That's fair. <laughs> uh, about Bad Moon. Shaky subject matter writes in. <laughs> Shaky subject matter. I mean, that matter. could also be the name of this podcast. So, you know, <laughs> that's fantastic. Alternate title for this yeah. podcast. Well, Shaky asks, or Shaky says, it's good to see, it's good to see the owner of the Daily Planet meet up with Ralph Hinckley's star student in this movie. Oh, yeah. Mariel Hemingway? This she, might be like one of my favorite write ins of all time because I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it is because she owns the Daily Planet mm-hmm. in, uh, <laughs> in Superman in, in Four. Four. The question oh piece. My God. Yeah. Yep. Ralph Hinckley is the name of the greatest American hero. TV show starring William Cat. He yeah. was a teacher, and he taught. Guess who? Michael Pere. Wow. Wow. That's was in great. A that lot of episodes is a of that fucking show. deep cut. <laughs> I appreciate that effort. That is fucking fantastic. Wow. Like wow. Great. Uh, Robin Linneman Silverberg says, I only remember something about a family dog playing sort of a big part in the plot. A sort yeah. of big part. Yeah, but see, he <laughs> took it the way that I took it the first time but I saw this. But he said that's all he remembers. Yeah. 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 But that's why so he's like, there's a dog in it a lot, basically. Right. Yeah. It's like, there's a bunch of stuff about a dog kind of getting in the way of the actual story. <laughs> yeah. It's not what he said, Colin. Uh, about <laughs> Chopping Mall, Dom Cree wanders. Hey, Dom. He says, uh, I'm so disappointed that Evolver didn't get a mention on this show. I thought it did. I, did but you see Evolver? No, I thought Sean had. Uh, here I am Evolver. speaking for him when he's, you know, on assignment tonight. But <laughs> 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 but I, I, maybe we talked about it off mic. Yeah. My, my memory fails Evolver me. is like a movie. We failed you. It's I'm sorry. It's a kid who plays virtual reality games with, there's a robot in it. And nope, eventually that. he plays against uh, the actual robot. And I think it looks maybe something like the chopping mall. Oh, like the robots in chopping mall. Is Possibly. that what it is? Okay. Yeah. I have not seen it, Dom, but we also didn't mention trapped, which is a movie from 1973, which wow, is made we fucked TV, up on that episode. Apparently, which is about James Brolin gets trapped in a shopping mall with Doberman pinchers that guard the place. Uh, can we watch this, that on the freak show? That sounds awesome. There you go. Boom. I do trapped. love some James Brolin. I don't know if it's available anywhere, but uh, we also, in one of our social media posts, we posted, we missed the fact that Kelly Maroney, the star of Chopping Mall, is also in Night of the Comet. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I'm like, eh, we were trying to figure it out when we were watching it. Oh, man. Yeah, it was her and, uh, oh, God, who's the other? Mary, Mary Stewart Masters. No, what's, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, it's going to come to me later. Yep. I was like, in Mary Stewart Masterson was in this? No. <laughs> the girl in Night of the Comet. Oh. Catherine Mary Stewart. There you go. Boom. And uh, and Kelly Maroney. But I also said that Russell Todd was from Friday 13th Part 2. <laughs> Sean Roger writes in and says, you're correct on both. You also named two movies much better than Chopping Mall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so extra I agree. Points. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Uh, Always Mark- great to hear from you. Mark Harrison writes in. He says, "If I was homeless, I'd like to sleep in a furniture shop." I no, mean, we, we, we uh, no, we wouldn't. We were. You, I'm sorry, Holly. You weren't here. <laughs> but I talked about how gross it is to think about the fact that I could have bought furniture that people fucked on. But, you got to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. all that they they stay fuck. late at a shopping mall so they can party in the furniture shop, and they fuck on the display mattresses. Like, dude, I I can't buy a mattress from a from a store like that. I can't. 
can't buy a mattress that she's people could have cool fucked on. She's only with uh, stories that are manned by robots. Yeah, yeah. Ro- robots can robot touch my mattress. And, yeah, got all <laughs> I'm really weird. not sure how often uh, workers or whoever would stay at a mall and fuck in a furniture store, though. In how the 80s and 90s, happen? anything was possible. And when I worked at Macy's, we never stayed late and went down, <laughs> and went down to bedding. We didn't. Well, that's the thing. In shopping mall, they don't work in those stores. They work in the other stores in the mall and hang and then go to that store after they're off they're, to fuck. One of them... Their dad, like, owns the furniture shop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they don't work there. They just sure. go there to fuck. Yeah. All right. So uh, Andrew John wrote in, and he said he loves uh, Chopping Mall. And uh, Nuvato Judoka said you ran, he did two movies in a row with Garrett Grimm. Here, and he's in Chopping Mall as the, uh, the scientist, or the scientist, whatever, the guy who runs the- The Homer Simpson running yeah, the controls? The control yeah. <laughs> and he was also the school teacher in Sidekicks. This is true. And then- I said, my God, you're right. This is a horrible oversight because Garrett Graham is on the Saturday Night Freak Show <gasps> Hall of Fame because he was beef in Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, which oh did, my God. Which yeah, is like his biggest role that he's done. Welcome to the wall. Yeah. The wall's getting very full. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> with There's pe- not enough nails. With people no. that most people have no idea who That's they been, are. Igor's been working overtime to like hang up all their pictures and it's just... It's true. You know, it's, some of them are crooked. It's and, like the fucking hall in Harry Potter with all the rules hung up on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Igor's got the little ladder that he keeps yeah. dragging out every time Igor's to hang Igor's what's his face with the fucking cat. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not a. <laughs> I like Harry Potter, but it's not a Harry Potter podcast, I, so you're I, fine. I don't know. <laughs> all right then. So this is the moment you've all been waiting for. What did we think of the movie Bad Moon? Colin, what did you think of Bad Moon? Was it on the rise? Dun dun dun. <laughs> well um, yeah. Okay, so I have seen this movie twice before. One time, I thought for sure it was weird. I'm having like this weird flashback. Like I thought we did it on the Saturday Night Freak Show. Like I remember talking about this movie, but it was either a one of those episodes which we have done, listener. I'm sorry, peeling back the curtain. There have been episodes that we have done in movies that have been lost to time because of computer gremlins that you never heard, and this might have been one of them. Or I'm, you know. Getting old and senile. And also it's, possible. It's very possible that you're remembering conversations from dog soldiers because we talked about this. Well, quite I remember. A bit. Oh, d- did we talk yeah, about I bad movie? So. But did. I remember I'm watching. Sure I talked about how much I liked it on the. I yeah. watched the uh, the director's cut. Like I remember watching when the Shout Factory one came out. So I don't know. Travis brought it over, maybe or something. Yeah. Um, and I have not had a good relationship with this movie. Uh, I've always looked at it as, I mean, the writings really poor i think like all the dialogue that's coming out of the humans mouths is not good and that's why i I don't know if i necessarily blame mario hemingway or michael perret you know i mean i I think they're both actors of limited range to be honest with you but um some of it is because the material that they're delivering is just like you're telling me this is from written by the guy who wrote some of my favorite movies the hitcher in near dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't see it. You know, it's like, what? Um, I think this time I appreciated it more because I saw it as a dog movie. Right. I think this, so this might be one of the best dog movies ever made. <laughs> um, you know, which is about a hero dog and a dog. This is your cool adventures. Stuff. If you're a dog, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is like the best it gets for dog movies. Right. What did we watch? Did I say it was a horror movie for dogs. 
what, oh, what was it? It was earlier this year. There's something, a bunch of really bad things were happening to dogs in that yeah. movie. But yeah. we've watched a lot of bad dog movies. Yeah. I know I've seen other hero dog movies, but now I'm, I'm, you know, where I'm like, this dog is the best dog. And like, but this one was pretty good. I mean, Thor is a pretty good movie dog. And so I'm also, I'm, I'm tempted. Like, this is where I'm on the fence. I'm like, you got a cool looking werewolf, right? Werewolf looks cool. It's not articulated. Awesome. It's kind of in that, the uncanny valley between like, it looks really cool in the pictures, but when you see it move and you see the, you know, animatronics, I'm like, oh, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese thing. Rawhead Rex syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And when you see it full body and it's a guy in a suit running around, it's like, well then, because even like at one point, big dramatic moment, the werewolf busts in through the plate glass window at the front of the house. And clearly in that shot, he falls on his ass. And then the next cut is him going, Rawr, you know, yeah. standing up and going wrong. Yeah. He's clumsy as fuck. Um, so it's not a good movie werewolf. It look, It's a cool design, the makeup of it. But the execution, he's let down by the cinematography, the director, and the performer. Mm-hmm. Um the look of this movie turned me off. It's the brightest night ever. I mean, they have like every light <laughs> yeah, on is. and it looks completely stage bound. Um, and bedtime in this movie is at like five o'clock. Yeah. Every well, time she tells the kid or Thor that it's bedtime, it's fully light out. Yeah. Cause I can't tell if it's summer, if it's the fall, the lineman, not the lineman, but the guy out working for the forestry. I think service it's gotta is- be summer. Um, the kid's not in school, and she made a strawberry rhubarb pie. Yeah. It's got to uh, be summer. It's got to be summer. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those days seem long. It's got to be summer. Long. Yeah. Well, see, I've had like an hour to think about this, and I'm still like on the fence. My gut is telling me that I did not like this movie, but I did like it better this time than I did prior. And do I think that werewolf aficionados have to see it? I think werewolf, there you go. Well, werewolf aficionados have to see this movie because it's probably, if you haven't heard of it, then you're going to like this werewolf probably. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's the Saturday night freak show and we're talking to a special audience. I think maybe you got to see bad moon. You got to at least check it out. Um, you know, if you like dogs and you like werewolves, (laughs) Then you if you like dogs, yeah. I mean, yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah, if you're a dog person. So there you go. All right. I'm going to go with a yes. Thumbs up for Bad Moon. Check it out. Um, You know what? I Honestly, Colin, I'm I'm right there with you. I, this, this whole time I've been thinking, do I like this movie? Do I not like this movie? Because there are a lot of things that I really don't like about it. It Like we said earlier, you know, with, with Eric Red movies, he does lose you. Like in the middle of the movie, in almost every movie I've seen of his... He loses you part way through, and this was no different. Like at one point, I was I was texting my mom. I was just like, "Hey, mom, how you doing?" Like I was just like, "I'm kind of kind of lost a little bit from this movie." Um, the, yeah, I agree. The writing is terrible, and the execution of the transformation and the animatronics—it's just—it's bad. It's really bad. Um, but the design, I did really like, and. I was okay with the, there wasn't a lot of gore in it, but the gore that wasn't, I I was okay with it. Um, I thought it was kind of, there was several scenes that I thought were really fun. You know, I liked the, I liked the biting of the helmet and it just kind of like squirted Mm -hmm. blood out. I liked that. I, I, I got 
a lot of satisfaction from the death of the con man, even though they didn't show a lot. I still just really loved that moment. Um, Cause that was like in Jurassic park when the lawyer gets eaten. Yes, that's what it basically that's was. Exactly. Right? You know? You're exactly right. Um, so I think there were more enjoy enjoyable points of this movie than there were unenjoyable points. So, and it's brief. And it's brief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It's like an hour and 19 minutes or something. It's some, yeah. mm, let's see. 79 minutes. Yes. Yeah, you're correct. It's barely a Short. feature yeah, film. Yeah, barely. <laughs> there are Game of Thrones episodes almost that uh-huh. long. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. So I, yeah, I think I'm going to have to recommend Bad Moon. I think. I think it's I think it's more enjoyable than not enjoyable. I think I think you can have a lot of fun with it. And if you are a werewolf aficionado, then you should definitely check it out. Um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to Bad Moon. Michaela. Obviously I make extra allowances for this movie because like I said, I collect werewolf movies and Colin challenged me to find ten that are better than Amer- than because <laughs> I said I didn't like it. So like uh, I I take in all of them and like there are not very many different stories you can tell with werewolves. It's, it sucks. It sucks to like a, a, a subgenre that there's like so little room to play in. Um, and this movie, like, I wouldn't say it, tr- it makes huge leaps or it does anything really out of the box because it doesn't, but it's, it's something like you've probably never seen before because no one has ever fucking heard of this movie. So I feel like it's my job to tell people about it <laughs> because no one knows it exists. Um, I paid an obscene amount of money for this clamshell standard F DVD we have sitting on the table in front of us because when I bought it, it was out of print and this movie was not available anywhere. Um, and then, of course, as soon as I bought it, like six months later, Shout Factory's like, guess what we're doing on Blu-ray? And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, I, like, I paid $25 for this DVD <laughs> at a used DVD store because like, yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere at the time. And like, I could have the Shout Factory Blu-ray for that price at this point. But it's, I mean, it's a good dog movie. Uh, the book is amazing, and like I think that does cloud my love for the movie a little bit because mm-hmm. I do love the book so much, and the book is so good. I, you got definitely got to read the book, and I would love to hear a great audio book with like a really good retelling. I think that would be awesome. Like um, right now, I'm listening to uh, Michael C. Hall's reading of Pet Cemetery, the audio book, yes. and I'm just like Michael C. Hall should read every fucking horror novel <laughs> ever because it's so it's so good. So I would love like a good audio book of it too. Um, but yeah, this movie like. Got some huge flaws, got some huge problems, yeah. but like I feel like you come into every werewolf movie knowing it's not going to be perfect. Like, yeah, there's so few of them that like you you can't expect a lot of them if you want to enjoy them. Uh, it's I, I love it. I think it's a great movie. I think people need to see it. Definitely not without its flaws. Definitely has some parts that don't make sense. Um, but just and like I kind of wish there was like a little bit more '90s stank on it. I feel like it's kind of sterilized of like the yeah, '90s stank. There's, there's not really anything that it's like full on. Oh, this is a '90s movie. Yeah, it doesn't have the new metal. No uh, needle no. drops. No needle point. drops. Not yeah, a but it does have the drop. lights are on everywhere and that cinema, the widescreen cinematography. Right. That's like that's '90s. Yeah. 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 But I, uh, I really enjoy it. I'm really glad that I finally got around to bringing it here because. This is the place to talk about a movie like this for sure. Like, yeah. like if I mm-hmm. want to talk about this with anyone else, I would have to do so much groundwork of even explaining what this movie <laughs> is. You know, so um, I I would definitely recommend it. I think it's awesome. Obviously, has a pro- its problems, but its gore is good. Um, it's it's like the dog act. Like I said, the dog is the best actor in this movie yeah. by a long shot. Um, and like its pacing and structure is slightly different than most werewolf movies. So mm-hmm. I think it's worth checking out just for that. Yeah. Top five werewolf movies. Five? Okay. Uh, Dog Soldiers, An American Werewolf in London, uh, The Original Wolfman, 
late phases, probably. I really liked that one. And then like five is probably Bad Moon is probably fighting a wildling for this one. For five. Holly. Yeah, I'm gonna say <laughs> Um I'm gonna say dog howling. Yeah, I'm gonna say dog soldiers and um werewolf in London. I think this is probably in there. I'm not doing this in order, by the way. Right. I'd probably say this is in there. Um The New Wolfman. And the original Wolfman. I like that one too. Mm-hmm. Probably both Wolfman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, so I'll go with the original Wolfman. Yeah. I'll go with Curse of the Werewolf, Oliver Reed. I'll go with American Werewolf, which is the greatest werewolf movie of oh, all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Of all time. Uh, yeah, what would it be? Is there Ginger Snaps? Well, I got to put the oh, Wolfman. Oh, I forgot about Ginger Snaps. <laughs> <It's coming out. laughs> I love that movie. I forgot about it. Yeah, I got to put the Wolfman 2010 in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eh, Wolf, Ginger Snaps, or uh, Howling. See, the Howling doesn't even. But I love the. Top. Yeah, I know, because maybe I was a bigger fan earlier and as time goes on i get less of a fan but i still love the the transformation and the werewolf stuff in that it's the best movie. part yeah yeah i don't know toss up i'm gonna go with ginger snaps for number five ginger mm-hmm. snaps is solid has yeah. that been done on this show mm, i don't think put so. it on the list so. <laughs> yeah. so. it's a great movie all right uh next week we're gonna be watching a movie that's chosen by colin oh boy what are we watching next week uh, next week we're getting in the holiday spirit. This is like our first. Is it our only holiday themed horror movie that we've done? Um, yeah. you, I mean, you tried to pull Thanksgiving into your last pick, That's but true. none of us bought it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. All right. Well, uh, saddle up for New Year's Evil. New All Year's right. Evil slasher movie from like 1980 or 81, something like that. Always so, down for a slasher. Yeah. 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 It's like a negligible sh- slasher. It's in the genre. We'll <laughs> talk about it. New Year's Evil for New Year's Eve on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And until then, ladies and germs, the basement is going dark.